Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Afterlife Podcast. This is your host, Pooja Chilakuri, and I'm very excited to introduce to you today my guest, Lena Zafari. Lena is a survivor of near-death experiences and spiritually transformative experiences. She has turned her journey into a catalyst for personal growth and healing. With expertise in energy healing modalities and a gift for intuitive insights, Lena empowers others to embark on transformative paths. She's also the chapter lead for IANS of Las Vegas. IANS is the International Association of Near-Death Studies. Her forthcoming book, Becoming Magnanimous shares her own journey of spiritual transformation and holistic healing, providing inspiration and guidance for readers on their own self-discovery. Welcome to the show, Lena. Oh, wow. Thank you for that wonderful intro. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing a lot of things. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you for coming on this show. I've been very excited. I met you at the IANS conference. That was awesome. And I really am very curious and interested to hear your experiences, your story, your near-death experiences. Can we start there? Yes, absolutely. Wow. So my near-death experience happened in 2014, January to be exact. And um, so in January 2014 is when my near-death experience happened. But I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, backstory because it kind of, you know, the whole experience mm-hmm. will be more understandable. So um, at the end of, in December of 2013, um, right around there, I was, you know, a healthy mom. I had, I was married, um, two young children. My son was about to turn five in January and my daughter was 18 months Um you know, just one of those, you know, just a happy mom. And I went on vacation to see some family in Houston, Texas. And at the time I'm living in uh, California. So I go there, have a great time on vacation. I come back, I get sick and I come back just a regular, normal, calm cold. Um, But it felt different. And by the time I got home, I had this intuition this kind of like go to the hospital and get checked out type of a voice you know you know because you know you're like oh I'm fine I'm fine Mm -hmm. so I went um and it I mean from there got to the hospital and next thing I knew I was admitted um one two three days go by and I'm thinking uh wow you know I'm feeling better I want to go home all I remember during those the hospital stay is can't be here I gotta go home. It's my son's birthday is in the next like 10 days. Um, and I need to go home. And my daughter was also, I put her to bed and then I disappeared. And um, so as a mother, I'm also nursing. So my body and my mind, you know, I'm very much like getting me out of here. I'm fine. I need to go home. My kids are at that stage where they need me. And I don't really know much more beyond that, but I have this, it was almost like as if I knew I was dying or something, because I kept saying to myself, I can't go now, it's my son's birthday, like, it can't happen now, you know, but it wasn't like, you know, no, anything else, but um, next thing, by the third day, I got worse, I ended up in the ICU, and what happened to me medically was, I had contracted the H1N1 virus 
And that's very much like COVID. So it attacks the uh, respiratory, mm -hmm. uh, right? So it attacked my lungs and I couldn't breathe on my own. Um, and in the total nine days I was in a hospital, um, I wasn't responding to anything and my lungs kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, I don't have any other memories beyond waking up, you know, moving the oxygen thing off my face and saying, look, I need to go home. My kids are waiting. Like I need to go home. Um, I can't be here this long. It's like, I gotta go, but I'm sure they pushed some button and knocked me out. Cause I don't have any other memories. Um, but around the ninth day of the hospital visit, um, I had my experience. And at the time I did not know this cause I'm under, but, um, years later, my father told me that they had pretty much told him and my husband at the time that I was not responding to anything. Um, both of my lungs were completely gone and I was not breathing on my own. They were getting ready to come and intubate and, you know, kind of treat me that way. But something happened in that space because in that space, um, I don't know what happened in the physical side and the here, but I woke up. Like I literally got right up. I got up and I was sitting at the, in the hospital bed and I looked around and I'm in the ICU room and I see where I'm at and it's nice and light and bright and I'm completely fine. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Except when I look over to my right, I notice that my whole body is sitting there. Like it's at the edge of the bed. So I see my human body. I'm like, oh, there's my body. You know, so there's really not much, you know, like that there I am. But I happen to look down at that point. I'm like, okay, well, let me look. I look down and I'm sitting just like I'm sitting in front of you on a chair right now. And I see my thighs, my entire body. I'm looking at my entire body, except I'm pure, pure, clear glass. Kind of like, you know, those crystal figurines that they have, you know, mm -hmm. we, it's a three day sh shape, but it's clear. You can see through it. I was literally that mm -hmm. I was just like clear thighs. It's like, oh, I'm see-through, <laughs> but it's not like a thought. It's like, it's like instant awareness recognition, but there's really no like conversation. But I'm like, oh, I'm clear. Mm -hmm. And as this is happening, I hear a voice and in this voice, it's kind of like a, uh, uh, authoritative uh, female motherly voice mm -hmm. and the voice um, starts to speak with me and she proceeds to tell me that um, Lena you you have to go back mm -hmm. you have to go back Lena um, your kids are waiting for you you need to go back um, but then she says you're the only one who can make that decision you know so it was almost like, okay, I was being told to go back, but I was taking my sweet time and I knew it was my decision. And it was, it kept proceeded. It's like, it was talking to me, but it wasn't, it was, mm -hmm. it was coming from inside and outside, but it was kind of like, you're the only one who can make that decision. So make your decision. It was kind of like telling me to decide. <laughs> long story short several years later I realized the meaning of that but um in my experience I was told to make that decision and as I'm listening and 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 like this is happening it's almost like at the same 
time I'm having this awareness of looking over to, you know, my left side. And I'm as I'm looking, it's like I see, I see my kids at that age at the time they were. So my son was about to turn five and my daughter was 18 months old. So they were both kind of like sitting there. And I looked at them and as I look at them, I'm finally like overjoyed and happy because you have to understand nine or however many days it's been. All I do is wake up and say, let me go home. Like, I want to see my kids. Let me go home. So when I see them, I'm home at that moment. It's like, you know, like I'm, I'm full of love and joy. And I look up and it's like even brighter, lighter, but nothing has changed. It's almost, it's when they say it's indescribable to describe what it feels like. But it's it's almost like it's light, it's bright, it's calm, mm-hmm. but it's alive, you know? So I'm thinking, okay, but this voice, it's almost like keeps reminding me, Lena, you got to make the decision. Kind of like almost like in an urgency, like rushing me, mm-hmm. but without yelling at me. Like, mm-hmm. Lena, come on, you got to make the decision. Like, it's you, you got to do it, come on. Um. And right as that is happening, right before I um I make the decision, because I'm here, <laughs> yes. I looked up further to on my left. I happened to look up past my children and look past up. And as I'm looking past up, it's almost like there's no the walls disappear and I can see out into space. Like it's darkness, but I can see in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And in the darkness, I see, I see shadows of people sitting. Like everybody's lined up in rows, facing me, on my left. So I'm looking to my left, and there's like a row, like stadium, like like rows and rows of people sitting in the distance. I could just see from like their waist up, you know, like. So I see a lot of people sitting, but it's dark. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I cannot hear them, but I can feel them. Mm-hmm. And I know they were all praying for me. And I recognize them as people here on earth, mm-hmm. like, um, like family and friends, mm-hmm. but I couldn't see their faces. So it was like, now I wanted to see who they are. So it's almost like the minute I looked and I like, my gaze on somebody like as if I'm looking at you I would look in the distance and I would look at somebody as I would look at them like they would just light up so I I could kind of recognize them but they would light up and they would like lift up and then they would come closer but as they got close kind of like halfway um, I no longer saw like a human I saw like a candle with the flame of a candle like the light so as I'm looking at these people in prayer for me, um, my desire to look closely at them to see who they are would just, you know, beam them up into light and I would see them as light. And of course, you can't see light without smiling. You know? <laughs> so it's like love. Um, and then at that moment, it was almost like, like somebody just turned off the lights, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. I don't have memory of coming back. I don't have memory of making a decision going into my body. I have 
like I don't know it was just almost like as quick as I woke up as quick as it ended and then so there's a little story after that when I woke up and recovered like when I when I came back into my body apparently I must have just gotten up because a couple weird things happened number one I got up and I have no memory of it number two I was hungry and I asked for a burger and I sat there and ate a burger. There's a picture of me because my ex-husband took it. Thank God. Oh. <laughs> and then um, I, I had no memory of coming back into my body. I don't have memory of conversations. I don't mm -hmm. have any of those memories of any of that stuff. But, you know, I got up and I ate. And another thing that puzzles even me is um, I was completely breathing on my own at that point. I had no need for breathing assistance. Mm -hmm. My lungs completely instantly healed. I was not told I needed to do anything. I literally got up, ate a burger and fries at the hospital and left and went home. I had no idea what happened to me. I had no idea what happened to me. I had no idea that what happened is called a near-death experience mm -hmm. I had no idea that I died or came back I had no idea that my lungs were gone it was just like I went to the hospital and I came home and um so that was the story of my near-death experience which left an open portal for all kinds of other stuff that's been happening the past 10 years oh my god and I definitely want to ask about all of that. But this one, I have to pause. I don't know if you heard me saying, wow. <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, wow. That's, you were definitely outside of your body. That's an incredible experience, Lena. Thank you for sharing that with us. During that time, um, you know, when you were, it just touched my heart when you were seeing all those people as beams of light, like little candles. But even more, I think, you know, uh, I've heard so many near-death stories. And one of the things they always talk about, the ones that uh, are asked to go back, is usually a family member, a loved one. There was an intense attachment. It sounds like yours was with your children, right? But Yeah, absolutely. By far. I it, didn't see anybody else. In I know. Life. Do you have any idea? I'm just curious who that female voice could have been do you know now I know at the time you didn't know but have you had time to think about that and maybe wonder who that might have been you think maybe a family member from the past or you know it's 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 the strangest thing because um there was a nurse who was taking care of me in the ICU mm -hmm. I do not know her name mm -hmm. um but I remember something about her and I don't know if this is what I saw in my NDE or the nurse that I'm describing. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know, but there was a nurse and I don't know her name, but she had light brown hair mm -hmm. and she always wore it in a ponytail and it was like up to her buttocks. So it was like really long, long hair, uh -huh. light brownish. I don't remember her face. I don't remember like, I don't know her name because I was in the ICU while she was taking care of me. But I remember when I was in the ICU, um, the few times that I woke up and that I asked for um, 
asked for my kids. I remember, um, I remember one day this nurse was taking care of me and I was like, so I, and I'm still getting emotional out of it. I didn't realize it was so, but she, she was taking care of me and I was so grateful for her because I was like, wow, look at this woman just taking care of my body. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like a baby, like a vegetable, you know, like I was so aware of her just being, you know, taking care of me, mm -hmm. but like, that's all I, that's all it was. But when I had my NDE at first, at first split second, I thought I recognized the voice to be hers, but I don't know her voice to connect it. Yeah. But that's the only, uh, the only thing. So I feel like that might be true because I feel like nurses and doctors, um, they are like angels, you know, yes. so when, yes. we're in, when we're in situations, they just go in and they do whatever needs to be done and they take mm -hmm. care. And, you know, obviously i mean they took care of my body while my mm -hmm. spirit was having an experience well, yes. that part. Yes. well the fact that i was separate yeah so i don't know i just feel like um these nurses who speak to patients and to encourage them and call them back they want to encourage that because i think that was my nurse and if it was my nurse then these nurses have so much mm -hmm. power into helping guide us back yes. you know connecting yes. the earth from there if that yes. makes sense it makes sense to me lena it really does you know just um i think your consciousness is still attached or can connect to uh the consciousness of the humans on earth or on the other side because you're in between and i'm just so glad that you decided to come back that <laughs> you made that choice <laughs> yeah you know, I have a bunch of questions for you, but before I do that, I am also curious because I was reading your intro and it says uh, NDEs and STEs. So the portal opened up and you've had some more experiences. Would you be willing to share one or two of those? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, wow. Okay. So it, an STE uh, stands for spiritually transformative experiences and those could be anything and people have them mine was pretty powerful but I think um my my NDE kind of set that up for me because it was pretty powerful but um it's a very very long story because so much happened so I'll give you nuggets from it if that's okay just that's because fine. of time yeah um but essentially I had an experience a transformative experience in a sensory deprivation tank it's called the float tanks um so they're all over they're just kind of like you know one of those spa things I'd never heard of them before I'd never been to one this is three years after my near-death experience for three years I have no clue that I had a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. I was just, I came back changed, but I didn't understand the connection because I didn't know. But when I had my STE, I actually had the continuum experiences that NDEers ex experience. 
Mm. That makes sense. Like, so my NDE, it was very much, I woke up in the hospital. I saw myself, mm-hmm. I saw my children. I was given a choice. I came back and I didn't think much of it. But the fact that, you know, I was dying of both of my lungs being completely gone, mm-hmm. right? To waking up and completely being fine and, you know, um, eating and going home. Mm-hmm. But the STE, I went through the tunnel. Wow. Okay. And I'm going to share the tunnel experience with you because there's a lot more, but I'm going to share the tunnel experience. So when the sensory deprivation tank is basically this room filled with uh, uh, water, the same temperature as the human body, right? Like maybe one or two feet high, uh, enclosed in complete darkness, complete silence. And the water is... Um, mixed with Epsom salt. So it changes the velocity and the texture of the water. So when you lay on it, you float. So when you're floating in complete darkness, your consciousness can completely rise because all your senses are blocked, kind of like in a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. All my senses were muted, right? Mm -hmm. And I had that experience. So this tank kind of created almost kind of like induced in the, in a sense, without me dying, but all my senses, were cut off so I had another experience now before I laid in this float tank I'd never meditated I was not spiritual I didn't even hear the word meditation like it was not in my vocabulary it Mm -hmm. wasn't Um, I never heard of the word chakras I'd never heard of it knew nothing about it and um so here I am thinking I'm going to do this fun activity with my cousins. I lay down and the first thing that happens is after my struggles and my experience, when things calm down, it's in the pitch black, I open my eyes and it's still pitch black. In the pitch blackness, I see this beautiful wave of energy light, kind of like the, the smoke off the front end of a cigarette beautiful waves a wave like that came from behind me and I just looked at it and it came up in front of me and I breathed it in wow and a voice started to speak same thing a female voice kind of like a strong powerful voice kind of like okay take three deep breaths I was like okay I took my deep breaths and I inhaled as I'm inhaling I'm watching this beautiful ribbon enter my nose and I'm like it's going in my body as it comes out this voice starts to speak to me and the voice says um because my hand was on my belly and the voice starts talking to me about chakras and because I was like having I was being fidgety I was having my neck was very discomfort like it felt like my neck was hanging so the voice said take three deep breaths relax and then it says those are your chakras. And then all of a sudden, whoop, my awareness goes, what? And then the voice goes, those are your chakras. When you learn your about your chakras and you understand and figure out how they're connected to your life, mm-hmm. you can begin to heal your life. I was like, okay. But it's weird because I'm at the same time listening. I'm thinking, what are chakras? And when I get up, I'm going to go Google it. So I was making mental notes of, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to look into it. 
So at that point, all of a sudden, um, I actually go through this tunnel. All of a sudden now, I'm in a tunnel and I'm in a vehicle, right? And I'm sitting in the vehicle and I notice I'm in a tunnel and I'm going really, really fast. And as I'm going through this tunnel, I notice that the vehicle I'm in changes into kind of like an airplane. I'm like, okay, so I'm going through this tunnel and now I'm in an airplane. And as I'm going, and it's it's happening at the speed of light, but it's also slow enough for me to see it happen. Mm -hmm. So vehicle to like an airplane, then I'm in this big boat ship, right? And I'm like thinking, okay, now as these shifts are happening and I'm inside these vehicles, right? I'm also sitting right inside the tunnel outside watching these vehicle being turned into like the big boat. I'm seeing it from the inside and from the outside. I'm like, oh, now it's a boat. Oh, now it's this. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into, and then it kind of become like a bird. And then right as, and as I'm approaching, I could see the, the, the opening, the light of the tunnel and I could see like this lattice opening where I could see light coming in. And as that's coming and getting bigger, when I exit the the tunnel, I exit as just me. I've shed all those vehicles off and what comes out is just me, right? And while I was in the tunnel and on the in the tunnel looking at myself like in in the vehicle and in the tunnel looking at myself i was also aware of being above the mountain where the tunnel was in so i was up here looking down into the side of the mountain watching this tunnel from the inside and from the inside come out and as it comes out i am now like in this there's like two big giant mountains in front of me and I'm on this there's like three mountain peaks right and then between and the below deep deep below like very deep it's just I look down but it's almost like I am the air I'm not falling not hanging I am the air that's everything is in Mm -hmm. so I feel like like that oh and I just see the most incredible stuff okay i'm if you don't stop me i want to continue because there's a lot that goes i on want there. you to continue we have time <laughs> lena um, i this is so important no absolutely please continue you know the um the experience itself is very mystical and it's and it's amazing to to speak of and to experience and to to go back to you know um, but it's kind of been like one opening and one like afterwards has been really a another big shift. Mm-hmm. You know, the actual experience is great, but so much happens when we come back from an indie. You know, it's like. And I definitely want to talk about that because I know that it's not easy. I don't know what I would do. You know, first of all, if I, I've never been outside my body, but I can only imagine, did you, this is going to sound a little weird, but 
did you feel weird coming back into your body? Like, do you feel in your body as you are right now, Lena? Do you feel the uncomfortable? Do you feel that was more expansive? Do you know what I'm asking? Like, I can't even imagine what that would feel like to be you know, outside. It, it's very interesting you ask that because um, I, I definitely, you know, saw myself outside my body. Even before this NDE, I had another out-of-body experience when I was younger yeah. uh, that I had. But for me, I don't recall going back into my body. So I don't know that experience of, you know, being there but what I could I do ex what I did experience when I came back I didn't recognize my body as me like it almost mm -hmm. like it's almost like I see myself my inner self mm -hmm. this is gonna sound crazy but I I I like Mm. I see such strong I want to say beautiful and I want to say like I feel incredible when I think about myself I know this is okay but at the beginning it was so hard because I would feel so incredible I would feel so amazing but then I would find myself walking and I would see a, a mirror somewhere and I would get a glimpse of myself and I would sometimes be like whoa that's me like I couldn't recognize the human body mm -hmm. it felt diff oh that's what I look like because in my mind I feel and look different yeah uh, but when I see my reflection um it's different now it's different since mm -hmm since I've like, I've done a lot of integration mm -hmm. and a lot of work mm -hmm. at the beginning, it was difficult because I, it was almost like I didn't recognize my body for myself. So it was, that is, that is an interesting question that you ask. but now it's different. Now it's like, I, I kind of had to upgrade my human body to who I knew myself to be. Wow, that's powerful, Lena. I'm actually going to write that down because, you know, we don't realize, you know, our bodies are very important because they harbor the most important part of us. That's our soul, right? And, yes. and, and you know, those first okay. few years, I was so consumed with life and with being a mother and dealing with all the after effects, mm -hmm. which... The first few years of my life actually fell apart a lot it was really difficult to mm -hmm. to uh it was difficult to be I don't know how else to explain it mm -hmm. it was difficult to be me again because I was more than the me I was before yes. but I couldn't it was almost like I wanted to shout it through the rooftop yeah. but everyone's like well you're still you but they were seeing the same you me that I was seeing in the mirror and they were still seeing that version yeah. of me yeah. it was almost like that but yeah you know I realized that um that this 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 body our our body is absolutely incredible it's a representation 
have our thoughts and our emotions. And um, yeah, I kind of let my thoughts and emotions go wild for a while because my physical appearance was not connected to who I was kind of in between feeling. So yeah, that was. And I, I really appreciate what you said about doing all the work to do the integration. Because while we're here on this earth, we have to live inside this body. And then for those of us who've had these experiences, it is hard to, you know, live in this reality because um, you've seen a different reality, right? So um, I, I guess that's one of my questions is because I know you're also the chapter lead for the International Association of Near-Death Studies in Las Vegas, right? And uh, I'm sure that it's a very good support for those people that had NDEs and SDEs. Uh, what is it that you find in common, the struggle that most people have after they get back? But there are some struggles that you find is pretty common. You know, I think, yeah, one thing really jumps out at me. So um, there's a lot. There's so many changes. There's so many things that happen to us when we come back. But the biggest thing really is depending on where we are are on mm -hmm. our spiritual journey and depending mm -hmm. on what our belief systems are before having an experience mm -hmm. so that if that you know that varies for each person and again each each person's experience is different so I can only speak to my experience and the people who resonate will be like yeah so my biggest struggle was first not knowing what happened to me but dealing with all these changes that was happening in my body and in my senses, you know, and then, um, and then not knowing and then having the experiences. So when they, like, when they present themselves to my world around me, like my family and my friends, mm -hmm. because I don't know, they don't know. They don't know the changes that's happening to me that I, I'm not even aware of. So now we have, you know, without realizing, you know, that there's, it it becomes really, really difficult because I was feeling the sense of having to explain and prove myself and my experience and without understanding why. And I was constantly being kind of told like, okay, you're crazy, you're weird that doesn't make sense. You know, when I tried to share my story with people, like experience kind of like this happened, you know, like this happened, it was almost like too much for people. Um, so it was hard because I felt weird talking about it because people couldn't understand and I couldn't understand that they couldn't understand because I wasn't understanding. <laughs> so it becomes difficult. Um, the best gift we can give each other on any level, on any subject, is the gift of listening to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to be heard. And I wasn't being heard. And because I wasn't being heard, I was struggling in that. Okay. And so as I've integrated in the past few years, um, part of integration is just being heard. It's yeah. being around people who can listen to you, mm -hmm. accept you, even if they don't understand you or doesn't quite get it but just allow you to be because in in that space not only do we find healing and integration but it almost like ripple effect it ripple effects mm -hmm. 
energy vibration because mm -hmm. that sense of calm is what we're all looking for. And when we come back so much, so for us to be validated or heard, mm -hmm. it's almost like we get to sit in the calmness of it. And, and then the opposite happens when we're not heard or, mm -hmm. or kind of told you're crazy or that doesn't make sense or mm -hmm. people kind of tune out. It makes it difficult, at least from my experience, it was difficult. And it was for this reason that um, when I found IONS, it was like I found my healing because I found people who understood me. Mm -hmm. And then with COVID and all these years, I figured I can't imagine how many people in the past three to five years alone, let alone many, many years, but how many people have had near-death experiences due to all the COVID and the you know, the illnesses that we've all been struggling and dealing with, right? All of us, so many, everybody's had COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And so many people have experiences. How many of them know about it? You mm -hmm. know, we don't talk about it. So um, my passion is to want educate people about these experiences that they happen, whether you understand it or not, or get it or not, they happen. Because here I am, <laughs> right? Yes. And number two is to create a safe space for people who've had experiences mm -hmm. to come and share and speak without being judged to be you know like just in a space of unconditional love because that's really what we seek to bring from there here is that unconditional love yes and you know speaking of that uh lena thank you for creating that space i think creating these conscious spaces is something that's close to my heart because i feel like there's so much um wounding and trauma grief loss Life is not easy. And I think these spaces, when for me, when I listen to stories such as yours or my other guests or what I'm reading, something you know that someone's shared about their NDE, what that does for me, even though there are no cookie cutter answers, it somehow helps me put like a closure to some of life's questions. It gives me peace about it, you know? And that's why I love listening. I binge on these stories. <laughs> to me, it's like my spiritual food, you know? It just helps me to realize you and I, every one of us that's listening and watching, you know, we are magnanimous. We are not just this body, right? And I haven't had that kind of sight like you have. You know, listening to your story, what is so amazing is, your consciousness seems to have split. Like you could be inside that vehicle and outside looking inside. That to me is amazing. You were, you know, sitting um, up at the foot of your bed, looking at your body, you know. That, so this is very, very fascinating to me, Lino. Um, one of the questions I do have is, um, have I let you talk about all your experiences or did I cut you like, is there another one? I, I don't mind because you just seem to be this treasure house. So you can keep going. If there's another one you'd like to share, we're all yours. Well, you know, after I had both of those two experiences, uh, in 2014, I had my near-death experience <clears throat> in the hospital. And then 2017, I had the spiritually transformative experience. Mm -hmm. And it took probably another year or so within the next year is when I actually um, discovered IONS and the term near-death experience. So as you can imagine, my world just plopped open, right? So I finally found a term for 
what my experience was. And for the first time, I stopped freaking out because after my STE, I really, really seriously thought that I was the only one in the world had this experience and I was so freaked out I was actually like how do I put words to this how do I share this I need to share it, but how do I talk about I thought I was alone I really genuinely thought I was alone so when I discovered other people and then books of course some of my favorite authors like Dr. Uh, David R. Hawkins, he writes about this and he's an experiencer. I realized that, you know, whether we know it or not, when we have, when we reach certain frequencies, we naturally find other people. So we mm -hmm. get to learn. And through that experience, I learned a lot about near-death experiences mm -hmm. and the after effects mm -hmm. and how it affects us as, as, as adults. And then when I learned about children and having near-death experiences well that started a whole nother thing because it, I might it never dawned on me that children would have near-death experiences I don't know why because at first I thought I was the only one so yeah. baby steps right but when I discovered that children have near-death experiences I was like whoa um, I discovered PMH Atwaters, who is an author. She's a researcher, and I met her at the IONS conference two years ago. And she wrote a few books and talks about near-death experiences of children. Mm -hmm. So she's done the research, and she's a documented milestone of children mm -hmm. who've had experiences and how, you know, because how it affects them. The important I learned about near-death experiences you cannot fake a near-death experience and you cannot um you cannot ignore it like mm -hmm. you cannot deny it mm -hmm. right because mm -hmm. whether you you can't you know it's it's a natural evolution that kind of happens so um when I started to hear all these stories, I was like, that's weird because that kind of describes my childhood. Mm -hmm. That makes sense that, oh, that, okay. So I started to resonate with a lot of the experiences of children who've had experiences, mm -hmm. which kind of got me to think, huh, let me go ask my mom to share any stories about my childhood. Right. I didn't think anything of it. And I did. And so I went and I asked my mom, I'm like, do you anything from birth to now what you know what happened to me you know she goes oh yeah let me tell you the story of your birth oh the story of my birth I don't know how much time we have put in. go ahead Lena no <laughs> but we ha I had a near-death experience at birth and although I don't remember my near-death experience but um the the after effects that that come on the mm -hmm. sensitivity the premonitions the knowings and the the questions the attachment all these ways it shows up the disturbances that feel like disturbances in our body because you don't fit in you don't feel like fit in you mm -hmm. know and uh, so everything made sense so when my mom shared the story of uh, my birth um, it made sense so I'm going to try to share that with you real quick but essentially my mom was in labor for like it's in four days or something like that um she decided to have a home birth because the first birth which was my sister kind of gave her a little scare at the hospital so 
when it came to me, she decided to do a home birth and uh, she was being stubborn. So she, she was like, nope, I'm going to stay here. And, you know, and, uh, and I was being just as stubborn because it took three nights and four days. And finally, um, in the evening, my dad called the local doctor, shaman that came and helped my mom deliver me. So first of all, after three nights of labor, right? Um, I'm breech. So she tells me I was breech sideways. And also the umbilical cord had wrapped around my neck because for three, four days, I, there was a lot of struggle. And in that process, but miraculously, I was still delivered. So when I was born, I was told I was black and blue. Like there was no color to me. I was completely blue and black all over, like just, mm-hmm. you know, um, and here I am. And this is in back in Kabul, Afghanistan. So um, I see you, NICU, hospitals, all this stuff. I'm a little old, <laughs> was not up to date like it is here today. Um, so here I am, survived, you know, and um, that was the story of my near death at birth. But realizes that we need to speak and share these stories because women are having near death experiences during childbirth. It's changing them. And children are having near death experiences either through birth or through drowning. I've had many stories of children drowning. So um, this whole Ions of Las Vegas is my heart's desire is to really, really, really bring awareness to near death experiences from an early age and to talk about it and to understand that, you know, it happens. And if it's happened to people that there's others like them and that there's resources for them and that, you know, you know, it's a beautiful gift because, you know, here we are. Thank you. And thank you for sharing those gifts with us, Lena. You know, this is one of the reasons I'm having these conversations because so many people have had these experiences, but they're not feeling supported or they may be feeling very lonely, you know, and so I'm so grateful that there are groups like IANS and, you know, you're uh, leading a chapter. My, I have two last questions for you and I won't keep you very long. Um, and please don't feel like you're taking up time because these experiences that you're sharing, uh, that's why I, I kept encouraging you to share more and more because you never know who's listening and who's had a similar experience. So thank yeah. you for doing that. I don't take it lightly, Lena, because all of the experiences you know, that you've had prior to the experience that was trauma, you know, so when you're recounting them, I know that there is a danger that you may relive some of that. And so I really appreciate the grace with which you've shared everything. Um, Thank you. Yeah, my last two questions. One question, this is a curiosity question. A lot of the people with NDEs, when if they've been on the other side, many of them, when they're fused with that, like that unconditional love or that energy. And, you know, you saw that um, energy ribbon that you breathed in, in, would you say, do you think that was something like what people talk about, like the Christ consciousness or the pure and conditional love, this pure consciousness? Or I'm just curious. Mm. You're asking if the light is consciousness? 
the ribbon, uh, yeah, the um, you know, the thing that came at you and you breathed it in because I always think of God or consciousness as like we're connected to it with our breath. So that's the reason I'm asking that question. Yeah, um, actually. It is. First of all, before I answer that, I just want to say I'm grateful for you and your curiosity and your questions, because what you're bringing out in my answers is it's it's where the love is. You know, it's the reason why we share. Thank so you. thank you for for doing this. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. Um, you know, I've thought about that a lot. Because, you know, we breathe. Breathing is a normal thing. We all breathe. We, mm -hmm. we breathe mindlessly. Yes. And it's just, it's, it, it's enough to keep us, it's enough to keep us alive, right? But it's the mindful breaths that we take mm -hmm. is the ribbon that I saw. Because uh. when we have intention and when you breathe in like that, Mm -hmm. it's almost like in between the air that we breathe is also a ribbon of consciousness that we breathe because mm -hmm. what did he teach us it is in our breath mm -hmm. that we find our calm you mm -hmm. can change the chemical reaction in your mental mm -hmm. state in your emotional state in mm -hmm. your physical state by your breath alone so I love your question because yes, that ribbon is, I believe, available to all of us at any time right now when we take an intentional breath, like mm. just, you just inhale it and just allow it to go in your body and it just yeah. fills every, and it just releases it, you know, it's that gratitude for the air just a few of those, you know, it shifts us out of fight and flight and fear states. Literally, we can yeah. go into coherence. Yeah. Which, by the way, is um, leads right up to another um, part of my heart, which is um, breathing. I literally, um, so I, I, I'm also trained in heart math. Uh, yes. heart brain coherence mm -hmm. right so the power of that breath you know if you learn how to bring coherence to your mind and your brain mm -hmm. there is so much research and data that has been shown that it changes and everything about you so your one question about consciousness yes 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 when you take that deep breath it's like you're breathing in whether it's you call it christ whether you call it whatever name you call it it is that because i know that we all have different religious beliefs yes so with respect to all of them yes our breath is valuable in every religion so every religion holds the breath mm -hmm. as a sacred gift so yeah we are yes. connected i totally agree lena across all religions and all cultures i think we at least can agree that we have a common source and the breath connects us to that source. That's how I, just when you were talking, that was the visualization that I had yeah. in my mind. It's like, yeah, breathe in source energy. You know, it's like we're connected. 
and to each other <laughs> through the breath. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's very beautiful so that's a lot of the work that you do is um with energy uh or do you do energy work like can we find you for that somewhere like I know I have all your links that I'm going to share in the show notes but um are you actually working with this right now um I am um so I I got into energy healing so I you know I do do some different modalities and tools but you know I think um more than anything I let people know that healing happens from within mm -hmm. you know I don't heal anybody but I do create the space the energetic vibrational space for healing you know which we are all capable of but you know it's almost kind of like once you go somewhere you can easily put yourself in that space right like you yep. can imagine yeah um you can't imagine tasting something you've never tasted but once you taste it you can imagine the taste of it it's yeah. like that so yeah um you know i believe we are energy beings we're vibrational beings and it's probably yeah. the reason why i got into bioacoustics which is you know um all about the human body from a vibrational standpoint that is to me that's wonderful and beautiful you know, I've been in the holistic health space myself for a very long time, Lena, and all these different modalities, you know, it's just the attempt to bring back to balance, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you know what? There's no one modality better than the other. Mm -hmm. um, there are many, there are many, many roads to the same destination, yes. many paths. Yes. And the same, same holds true for all these different modalities. I think more than anything, it's it's the intention that we use them with, you know, yeah. it's, that. you know, and it's with the intention that we receive it with as well. Yes. So there's definitely an openness of energy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely. This has been such a great conversation, Lena. Thank you for taking the time to do this. <laughs> You. I really appreciate it. I'll have all your information in the show notes for anyone that wants to reach out to you. And I'm actually very happy and excited. I just joined your IANS Facebook group. So I'm looking forward to staying connected there as well. Oh, thank you so much. I just want to say thank you for, for having this podcast, for you know, sharing your voice and allowing us to come and have this conversation and share our voice and experience. And I just want to tell the world, you know, experiences happen, whether it's to you or a loved one, mm -hmm. um, that it's a beautiful gift and that we can learn so much, mm -hmm. so much from it. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Lena. Thank you.